If you're like me, you care about getting the most from your workouts, which means wearing the finest performance gear. You know, fabric that dries quickly and has superior moisture wicking properties. Fabric so soft and comfortable, you could, well, curl up and sleep in it. Introducing Sheeks, spelled S-H-E-E-X, the world's first performance bedding line. Sheeks began when two former elite athletes and coaches had an aha moment, combining everything we love about quality performance fabric with everything we love about comfortable, irresistible bedding. Unlike traditional sheets that trap heat, sheets are breathable, so you aren't constantly waking up to throw off covers or add a blanket. So you sleep deeper, longer, and better. And sheets bedding looks as good as it feels. Colors and styles that can match any decor at a price that will pleasantly surprise you. And right now, you can try sheets for 30 nights risk-free. Just go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 12-12. This is our number three on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. My name is John Zickler. This is the show where we talk about the news of the week and the events of my often bizarre life, and where we provide you with a three-hour oasis of honesty and rationality in the desert of insanity and deceit, which is the American media, cultural, and political landscape, and where we treat Donald Trump exactly as we would treat Barack Obama. Originally, very few other conservatives are doing. Later in this hour, in fact, in the next segment, I will get to one supposedly conservative talk show host, Sean Hannity, under whose skin I have clearly gotten with my opposition to Donald Trump on most things, though not all, as uh, he attacked me on several occasions unprovoked on Twitter in a very revealing way that I think illustrates exactly why the conservative media is as dysfunctional as it is. I'll get to that in the next segment. Before I move on to a couple of other things related to Trump's big con and the fact that he's not really a conservative I want to, first of all, emphasize that the big story tonight appears to be, and I'm kind of sick of all of these sources say stories, especially with regard to the Secretary of State search. But since this is Fox News Channel and since it's the second major report this weekend that indicates that Rex Tillerson is, in fact, going to be Trump's Secretary of State nominee, I feel it's at least worthy of mention, especially since... I have expressed skepticism in the first hour of this program that Tillerson actually will be the nominee and put out the theory that this might be a trial balloon to see whether or not it gets shot down and to potentially create more drama for the ultimate selection. I mean, by the way, just this morning, when Trump tweeted about Tillerson, he actually ended the tweet by saying, stay tuned. So the idea that I'm evaluating this through the prism of a reality television show is hardly a stretch. It's Trump's own words in his own tweet. Stay tuned. But according to Fox News Channel, it's going to be Tillerson. I'm still not convinced he's actually going to be confirmed. uh, But who the heck knows? We're living in very strange times. We've left the gravitational pull of the rational earth. So... I wanted to at least make sure that uh, that report was out there, especially since I had expressed skepticism about it earlier on in the show. 
also, with regard to the intelligence briefings that Trump isn't taking, and he says that he doesn't need to because he makes the right decisions with very little information because he's a smart person. All I know is what's on the Internet. You know what that reminded me of? Birtherism. Birtherism is the ultimate proof that that is an incredibly dangerous way to look at things, especially in the foreign policy arena where Donald Trump has no expertise at all. But when you are making decisions on very little information, I get that Donald Trump has a spectacular gut instinct on a lot of things. He is the greatest manipulator of the news media that there ever was. He's better than Barack Obama because he has even less of a conscience than Barack Obama does. And he's better for ratings, at least right now, than Barack Obama currently is and has been for a very long time. So I get that Donald Trump has a great gut. Sometimes, though, when you have a great gut, that's incredibly dangerous. Because if you rely only on the gut or... All I know is what's on the Internet. You're going to make a mistake. And when you make a mistake as the guy who hosts the Celebrity Apprentice or even as a presidential candidate, nobody really gets that hurt. When you make a mistake as president of the United States, there are potentially catastrophic consequences. That ought to scare anybody. That we have a president not taking intelligence briefings because he can make the right decisions with very little information. Yeah, just like you did with birtherism. But there were two other stories that were very much related this week that indicate, once again, that Donald Trump is no conservative and that much of this campaign was a con of the Republican base. By the way, who the hell even knows what the Republican base believes anymore based upon polling out this week that indicates that Republicans don't really believe in a free market. They don't believe in free trade. They believe in government intervention, all because apparently Trump believes in it. But there were two stories that if we lived in a world where our attention spans weren't 15 seconds long, we'd be talking about for weeks. And heck, I haven't even mentioned them yet. And we're over two hours into the program. One is what happened with Boeing. The president-elect of the United States attacked an American company, apparently inaccurately, on Twitter and declared that their contract that they have with the U.S. government to build Air Force One should be revoked. I'm not making this up. I wish I was. It's it's absurd. I, I mean, no past president-elect would even have thought of doing something like this, even if there was such a thing as Twitter. But he did it. And Boeing stock lost at least half a billion dollars depending on how you calculate it. Half a billion dollars gone from their market cap. Just because of a tweet that apparently was provoked because he saw something either on Fox News Channel, which is his favorite show in the morning, Fox and Friends. Uh, By the way, an inaccurate story on Fox News Channel about Boeing potentially outsourcing jobs. That's what I think happened. I think he saw this on an inaccurate report on Fox and Friends. And he decided to react on Twitter to lash out at Boeing for that. There is some speculation that this was a reaction to a Chicago Tribune story where the Boeing 
head of Boeing had made some comments that were derogatory towards the Trump administration, but I don't think there was enough time. That story hit online 20 minutes before Trump's tweet, and I just, I just don't think that that would have been on Trump's radar fast enough for him to make the decision. Even I would like to believe that Trump would give something like this a little bit more consideration than a couple of seconds or minutes that it would take here. So bottom line, Trump tweets this out, and an American company loses $500 million. And I don't believe that what he said was accurate. Boeing vehemently disputes it. There's been some discussion over what the actual numbers were. But regardless, uh, there was a contract. And I'm hey, look, if there's bad contracts, I'm all for renegotiating them if you can. That's fantastic. But the way he went about doing it was like a king. Not like a president-elect, like a king. And it was wrong, and it hurt an American company, at least stock-wise, to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars. Then there was the carrier situation, which we now know has been exposed as a fraud. What Trump supposedly did with carrier was really exactly what conservatives criticized Obama over. He saved a few hundred jobs, less than a thousand now, by paying off carrier air conditioning to stay in Indiana. And now we've learned not only did he not save all the jobs like he pretended that he did, making a lot of families think that they were safe heading into Christmas who are not going to be safe. Not only did he do that, but apparently, according to Carrier, a lot of these jobs, even the ones that were saved, are going to be lost eventually because of automation. And then to make matters worse, when the union head criticized Trump, in the media for misleading his union members about how many jobs are being saved, what does Trump do? Trump attacks viciously twice on Twitter. This union chief who's just trying to save his membership's jobs, this is the guy who's the blue-collar hero. This is the guy who's the Republican Presidential, president-elect, Republican. No longer believes in free markets. In fact, just today on Fox News Channel, admitted he doesn't believe in free markets. Chris Wallace confronted him and exposed the fact that Trump doesn't believe in free markets. And Trump lamely responded by saying, that's not the free market, that's the dumb market. No, 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 no. (laughs) A free market has good and bad. You got to take the good with the bad. As soon as you pollute it, to this degree, there's no going back. He is no conservative. He is a big government liberal who's only out for himself, and even if it means destroying an innocent union chief, just trying to save his membership's jobs. That's who we elected. Don the Con. This is the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Ziggler, this is the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com where you can check out each and every one of the columns that I write for Mediate, the media criticism website run by ABC News' Dan Abrams. 
And this week, I urge you to check out two columns in particular. One in which I discuss how Donald Trump is changing the presidency to much more of a monarchy, where he's really creating for himself a kingship. And also one where I explain why it is that I'm still in the so-called never-Trump category and why so few other conservatives are there with me. Now, to be clear, and I want to be very straight about this, I am hoping Trump succeeds. I am very skeptical that he will. I think in the short run he will be seen as quite popular, especially among conservatives, for a lot of reasons. I think he's going to do some good things. But I think he's going to need an awful lot of luck to get through four years without there being some major damage. And I think in the long run, it's Im- almost impossible to conceive that Trump doesn't do massive damage to both conservatism and our democracy, or our Democratic Republic form of government. And that's what concerns me the most, the long run here. There's never going to be an I told you so moment in the next year or two unless there's a major disaster with regard to Donald Trump. But because my motivations are different than most people in the news media, uh, which I explain in the column, I'm still never Trump. And never doesn't mean I don't praise him when he deserves it. When he deserves praise, I will praise him. I already did tonight with regard to the fact that he's apparently not putting a lot of the sycophants in his cabinet. The people like Rudy Giuliani, Chris Christie, Sarah Palin, Newt Gingrich, Mike Huckabee. That deserves kudos. That tells me that while he's ruthless, that he's actually smart in a lot of ways about how to deal with people. And he knows not to respect somebody if they kiss your ass too much. But this column I wrote about why I'm still never Trump really hit a nerve with one very, very big Trump sycophant. That's Sean Hannity, the Fox News and radio talk show Superstar Sean Hannity, who has made a ton of money already from Donald Trump's campaign this year because he had both of his contracts renewed with record ratings, which is, I believe, why Sean Hannity sold out completely to Donald Trump. Out of the blue, without provocation, on Friday night, Sean Hannity tweeted at me four times with some pretty... Pretty strong attacks, which I'm fine with. I'm I'm a big boy. I, I can take it. And I definitely dealt it right back at him. But it was just odd that on a Friday night, Sean Hannity, who, who makes way more money than I'm ever going to dream, even if I hit the lottery, I'm ever going to dream of having. It's a Friday night, and here he is tweeting at me with far greater anger than I did at him. What's the deal? Sean ought to be thrilled. Yeah, he sold out, but if you're going to sell out, you ought to at least get something in in return. And he got a lot. He got brand new contracts. He's now buddies with the president-elect. I mean, if you're going to sell out, he did really well for himself. He almost sold out and got nothing other than the new contracts because Trump should have lost and almost did. So Sean should be thrilled. He dodged a huge bullet. But in response to my article that I had tweeted out, he starts attacking me for claiming to be a pure conservative, he puts in quotes, calling me a martyr, referencing my stint at KFI in Los Angeles and all the other stations I've worked at, which is really interesting because 
you may recall that Business Insider several months ago did a story about Never Trump in which I was quoted as criticizing Sean Hannity, and Hannity was quoted as saying he doesn't know who I am, (laughs) which is fine. A lot of reasons not to know who I am. But then at that time, he also (laughs) immediately after saying he doesn't know who I am or cared about me, he proceeded to seemingly know a lot about my career, which he clearly does in this tweet. He then goes on to try to claim that Trump really is a conservative because he's said so. But then he says something really interesting about the issue of not selling out and how that should be perceived, which is really very strange given Sean Hannity's career up until Donald Trump started running for president. I'll get to that when we come back on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. I'm John Ziegler. This is the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com, where you can find uh, one of my latest columns, which really got Sean Hannity upset. It's about why I still consider myself to be a quote-unquote never-Trump conservative. And what resulted, uh, it's appropriate that we have the, uh, the Rocky theme there, because Sean Hannity and I had it out, Rocky style, on Twitter, uh, not provoked by me. For some reason, Sean Hannity had nothing better to do on a Friday night than to, to go after me on several occasions, by the way. Before I even, even, before I even, even, well, how, how's that for redundancy? Before I had any idea that he had done so, somehow I missed the first couple of tweets. And so uh, I respond eventually, and he says to me, Just admit you've been wrong the entire election cycle and call it a day. The pompous, I am pure and I don't sell out act is getting old. Now that's a fascinating statement for a lot of reasons. First of all, um, my response for the record was, Sean, uh, thanks for the advice you know, to call it a day. I was wrong about how weak a candidate Hillary was, because that's really what I was wrong about in saying that Trump wasn't going to win. Trump only outperformed expectations in Pennsylvania and Florida, two huge states, but he still should have lost. But, Sean, I will never be wrong about the total fraud you sold out to meaning Donald Trump. That's how I responded to Hannity. But what's really interesting about his response, which I later referenced, is him saying, I'm pure, meaning me, I'm claiming to be pure, which I'm not. I'm, the last thing I am is pure. Just ask my, my wife. I am far from perfect. But I try to be principled, and I try to be consistent, and I try to care about the truth, unlike what Sean Hannity has done this year with regard to Donald Trump. But he says, I don't sell out act is getting old. Now think about that. This is a guy who for his whole career 
has been the true blue conservative. And he's acknowledging that he believes, which is funny because in the article, I actually addressed how frustrating it is that everyone always presumes that when you take a principled stand, that there must be an angle. There must be something people are missing because no one in the media would ever do something against their own self-interest. Like say something that's unpopular within their own tribe or hurt their career interests. Well, Hannity's basically admitting, although he's too dumb to realize that he's admitting it, he's admitting that that's how he sees a principled stand. He sees it as an act. He literally says, the I don't sell out act is getting old. So what he's acknowledging is that his whole career is an act. Now, whether the Trump part is the bigger act or the decades before Trump came onto the scene is an act. I'm not sure. Probably both. I, I, I think that he's definitely one of these guys. He's not very bright, but he's smart enough to be able to see ratings, understand ratings, sense where the audience is, and he tells people what they want to hear, what he thinks they want to hear. That's what most talk show hosts do. The tail is wagging the dog now, which is why almost everybody has been on the Trump bandwagon for a long time because that's where the audience is. It's not about the truth or what's good for the country. It's about what's good for that particular host or that particular show. Well, Hannity is so dumb, he doesn't even realize that he's effectively acknowledging to anybody with a brain that he views the whole thing as an act, which ironically, it's not an act for me. Anybody knows me knows I'm as sincere as you can get, for better or for worse. I'm about the only talk show host I know of that will knowingly, knowingly do and say things that, one, will upset the base audience, get people to not listen to me, because I know the way human beings are. They want to hear what they want to hear. And oftentimes will do, do and say things that I know make me look bad because it's interesting radio or an interesting commentary for my columns. I don't care because unlike Sean, I'm a lot, there are a lot of things that are negative about me. Unlike Sean, I am not insecure. And his responses to me reeked of insecurity that were obviously based in his guilt over knowing that I'm right that he sold out. Now, one of the things that Hannity accused me of doing is trying to come up with an excuse for failing in talk radio. <laughs> and I responded to that by saying, and he used the word martyr, said, I'm doing a martyr act. <laughs> I said, Sean, I'm no martyr. I have failed at talk radio, which is now the equivalent of failing at prostitution. You should be so proud of your success, exclamation point. And I mean that. That's what this industry has become. It is effectively intellectual prostitution. Especially in the era of Trump. Now, look, if you're a sincere Trump supporter, God bless you. I don't know how you can do it logically and consistently because Trump doesn't even know himself what he believes in. And I get that we didn't want Hillary to be president. I get it. I get it. I get it. Believe me. I understand. But to blindly support this guy as Sean Hannity has 
after you claim to be a conservative all these years is absurd. It's a joke. And Sean even knows it. And Sean's response to me was, LOL, great rationalization for failure. Talk to me after a Supreme Court justice's name, taxes are cut, and we have a border wall built. And I responded to that. I said, Sean, look, um, I don't have the tweet in front of me, but I remember what I wrote. I said, Sean, if and when any at all, I think I said, of all those things actually end up happening, I will be thrilled to kiss your ass more deeply than you've been kissing Trump's. And that's true. There's no chance a border wall is going to be built anything close to what Trump promised. I think taxes probably will be cut, not as much as Trump promised. And I'm skeptical about the Supreme Court justice. But I'll acknowledge that those three issues are key to me. If if Trump keeps his promise on the Supreme Court and truly does decrease taxes in a significant way, and regardless of the wall, I won't even hold him to the wall thing because I know that's a lie. But if illegal immigration is seriously curtailed in a long-term effective fashion, I will be happy with the Trump presidency, barring, as I think I said this in the tweet response to Sean, barring no incompetence-created disasters. And that's a key component because I think there are going to be a a lot of incompetence-created disasters, depending on your definition of disaster. And I also think that this is going to be a horrendous administration from an ethical standpoint. I mean, ethic, the ethics already, I think, it's obvious, are, are going to be an abomination. I mean, his conflict of interests are all over the place, and it's clear he doesn't care enough to do anything about it. In fact, he's claimed that the president can't have a conflict of interest. So that's Sean Hannity's very strange uh, attack on me. Again, unprovoked, I'm happy to respond to him at any time he wants. It's clear to me that what's really going on here is that even though he won, he's on the winning side. He could not be a bigger winner in all this. He picked the right horse in the primary race. He dodged a bullet where his guy, who probably was the only major candidate that Hillary could have beaten, ends up getting lucky and wins, meaning that he doesn't have to live for the next four years with the reality that he helped elect Hillary Clinton, which I was about certain was going to be the reality. So he dodged that bullet. He gets both of his contracts renewed. He's now buddies with the president-to-be. And he's angry enough on a Friday night to be tweeting at John Ziegler? How does that make any sense? It doesn't. Unless, unless there's still a little bit of a conscience still alive there. There's still a little bit of guilt. And it's eating at him. Which is, to me has to be the answer because there's nothing else that makes any sense. There's no, if you have another explanation, tweet it at me, Facebook message me, 
Email me. You can find all that information at freespeechbroadcasting.com as well as the column about why it is that I'm still, quote-unquote, a never-Trump conservative, which began uh, this tweet storm from Sean Hannity. Uh, You can do all that at freespeechbroadcasting.com. Our final segment coming up next on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. This is the final segment of this edition of the Free Speech Broadcasting Program for this week. My name is John Ziegler. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. In about uh, 30 minutes or so, you'll be able to go to freespeechbroadcasting.com and check out the podcast via iTunes and SoundCloud for this entire program, which I urge you to do. In the first hour, we had a very interesting interview with Democratic Congressman John Yarmouth from Louisville. And uh, hopefully you caught the last couple segments as I reviewed the very strange Twitter attack I endured from Sean Hannity because of a column I wrote, which you can find at freespeechbroadcasting.com, that explained why it is that I'm still a never-Trump conservative. Now, one of the things that Hannity referenced there was, and I actually acknowledged, was this issue of me failing in talk radio. I'm had a very strange talk radio career. It began probably, I guess, in the mid-90s is when it began, after I got out of TV sports casting. I've had several breaks from talk radio, partially from having been fired, partially from having gone into other careers like documentary filmmaking and other things. Uh, This most recent excursion in the talk radio, which has been in some ways, I think the best show that I've ever been a part of, which we've been doing now on Sunday nights for a little over two years. I never expected to happen. This was a miracle, really. This whole show is a miracle. It's not appreciated as such, but the reality is that There's no show like this because there's no show that was built like this with the same situation that was at its foundation. In other words, I don't have to worry because of the way this show is built about a boss. I don't really have to worry about ratings. It's a national show on 15 major network or 15 major markets across the country, including here in Los Angeles and New York and, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., Boston, some other major markets. And so I can say whatever I want effectively. And because of who I am as a personality, I don't care about pleasing anybody. I only care about giving you what I think is the truth, giving you a unique perspective on the news of the week. So there's no question. I mean, it's been well documented, including by the famous author who ended up killing himself not long after he did the feature on me, David Foster Wallace, who did about a 23-page cover story on me for Atlantic Monthly Magazine several years ago. You can Google that. It's fascinating reading, although I think he was 
exceedingly overrated as a writer, and I think that's part of why he ended up killing himself. But I digress. It's been well documented that my talk radio career has had a lot of failures. Some successes, a lot of failures. Numerous spectacular failures. And there are a lot of reasons for that. The point of this right now is to let you know, I fully acknowledge that for many reasons that have almost nothing to do with the on-air product, which I firmly believe, having done this on and off for almost 20 years, this version of the show is the best talk radio I've ever done. Now, did I mistakenly think that Donald Trump wasn't going to beat Hillary Clinton? Yeah. Not my best moment. Very frustrated by the fact that I did not get the election call correct. But from a substantive entertainment perspective, the radio that this show has produced over the last two years under very difficult circumstances has been by far the best that I've ever been a part of, partially because I'm a much better talk show host, mostly because I've had an extraordinary life, and because my view of how to do a radio show has totally changed. If you notice, we do very few interviews. We do no phone calls. And it's basically now me for three hours a week, for better or for worse. Not too many other people would do that with no script, almost no preparation and be able to make it work. So there's good and bad in all of this. But I fully acknowledge that Hannity's right. Part of it is, by the way, it's not being a martyr, part of it is my stance on Trump has made this show a very, very difficult sell, literally and figuratively, in a lot of ways, both on and off the air. And there is a very good chance... I don't know the answer. If I did, I would tell you. There is a very good chance that next week will be the last live broadcast of this program. And that program would be then rebroadcast on Christmas night, which hopefully you'll have better things to do than to listen to this show. I don't know that yet. We may still continue this program for a little bit while longer than that. We might end up turning this into a podcast. I'd like to continue it in some form, but that might not be possible. Next week, I'll, for, I'll explain in greater detail why all of this is the case. And it's not all because of Trump, but that's a big part of it. Not because I don't think the show is, I think the show is more important than ever because Trump is going to be president of the United States. And this is one of the few places on a national level where a conservative voice is willing to take him on on a consistent basis. But unfortunately, importance <laughs> has Importance isn't that important anymore in this uh, post-truth, post-Trump world in which we're living in. I I engage in truth, and unfortunately, you know, if if truth is my gold, gold no longer has any value, to put it into the most succinct way possible, which is always possible. You know, tomorrow, people could decide gold is of no value. Well, we decided truth truth is of no value. So when truth is of no value, a show about the truth doesn't have a whole lot of value. So that's where I am in trying to figure out what I'm going to do with this program. Again, I don't know for sure. Um, I do plan on doing a show live next week. And my daughter, Grace, will, unless her mother vetoes this, 
my four-year-old daughter, Grace, will be making her, um, I guess you'd call it, annual Christmas appearance, and she was with us for the first time last year just before Christmas. So make sure you tune in next week. One, because it darn good chance it'll be the last live broadcast of the program. More importantly than that, my daughter Grace will likely join us in the first segment of the show, maybe the first two segments if we're lucky. Got to finish on a happy note. Really thrilled, and this actually relates to Donald Trump, and I'll give Trump some kudos. Really thrilled what happened at the Army-Navy game yesterday. Donald Trump attended, first president-elect ever to do so. Good for him. I was a little concerned he was going to pretend he was actually the commander-in-chief and take part in the halftime transition ceremony, which he did not do. Kudos to him. He did a TV interview, didn't really insult anybody, didn't tell any blatant lies. Kudos to him. And I was happy that he went to the game because the Army-Navy game is of great importance in my life. I've been going to that game as a kid in Philadelphia. In fact, one year, I, <laughs> the last, my last chance to take the SATs, I decided to to skip the SATs in high school to go to the Army-Navy game at the old Veterans Stadium in Philadelphia. And for the first time since 2001, a game which I attended, by the way, at the old Vet Stadium, Army won yesterday. They had lost 14 consecutive years. So congratulations to the West Point cadets and finally beating their arch rivals, Navy. It was a great game, a great scene, and I was happy that Donald Trump went because it elevated the game, uh, which deserves to be elevated. Once again, our podcast will be available in about a half hour at freespeechbroadcasting.com. Make sure you tune in next week because it might be the last show we do. Until then, I'm John Ziegler. Have a good week, everybody.